can I get a bottle of water? Uh, so, so I just uh, drove in, uh, threw on the mic, and uh, I ran up here. I, I did our service out of our Black Forest campus, and uh, that was a really sweet service, and, and really enjoyed being out there. And uh, Jared, uh, from here at Stetson Hills campus, uh, he led worship out there this morning with their team, and uh, Vance, Pastor Vance and Rachel uh, are on vacation with their kids, and so it's always a joy for me to do that, but it is a finish up, out the door, running down the road, don't get a speeding ticket, and uh, get here on time to get on the platform to bring the word of the Lord to, uh, to our congregation here. Can you say amen? And so let me pull out my trusty little glasses here. Uh, so we're in a, our series on pursuing our future vision, pursuing our uh, future reality, and today I wanted to bring a message to you specifically fo- focused on uh, vision for our future reality, faith for miracles, faith for miracles. How many believe our God is a miracle-working God? Amen. He is a miracle-working God, and the question is, is do we have faith for miracles? Because God certainly wants to perform miracles in our lives. And so I want to read to you, uh, and before I do, this is coming from a passage of Scripture where it's referring to the centurion, and you're going to see uh, how Jesus praises the centurion for his faith. Um, And then I'll have another Scripture I'm going to share a little bit later. So there's kind of a a twofold uh, story here where you see Jesus in the centurion, and then you're going to see Jesus with the, the woman with the issue of blood. But there's a similarity to their approach. They have a faith. Um, to believe God for miracles. Uh, The woman with the issue of blood has faith to believe God for a miracle in her own life. And the centurion has faith to believe God for a miracle in one of his servants' lives. And so let me read out of Luke 7, 1 through 10, and let's get a picture of this here. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus. Say heard. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves you to, ha- uh, to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Now you've got to understand, the centurion is a Roman. He's not one of the Jews, but the Jews, you've got people from the Jewish nation going to Jesus and pleading for that servant because this man has been kind to the people of God. Because he loves our nation and has built uh, our synagogue. So Jesus went with him, or excuse me, went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to the roof. So he gets close to the house and and he... he, he, uh, he basically says to him, he, he goes out to, uh, sends a servant out to meet him and basically says this, that is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. So from the roof, he's saying, look, don't come into my house. I didn't even consider myself worthy for you, you to come, but I ask. And so you can see the humility in the guy, and he, he, he's in power, but he recognizes the power of Jesus. So he says this, he says, um, uh, when the centurion sent friends to say to, uh, from uh, excuse me, under my roof, that is why I did not consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. 
I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Even among the people of God, he hadn't found that level of faith. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. He was healed in that instant. It was faith that caused the divine power to touch the centurion's servant and heal him. Now, we've had our definition for pursuit, so when we think about having faith for miracles, pursuing our future reality, and that it can be filled with miracles, um, we need to look at that definition again, especially for those that maybe haven't been a part of the series yet. So this is pursuit, the noun, the action of following or pursuing someone or something. The synonyms, striving toward, quest after, slash for, search for, aim, goal, objective, or dream. And I want to I say to you that it's so important for us to pursue miracles, and more so the miracle-working God. Amen? In other words, have an expectation that God will do miracles in your life. Here's the definition of miracle, the noun. An extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. An extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. The synonyms, flash, marvel, phenomenon, uh, splendor, and wonder. I thought it was interesting to see the synonyms there. Uh, we see the popularity of, of the Marvel movies, if you will, right? The Flash is actually one of those Marvel. Right? It's kind of interesting to see those definitions and understand that there is a craving inside of mankind for supernatural things. That's why those movies are so popular. It's, 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 it's kind of otherworldly, and it's beyond our natural understanding, and we're drawn to that. And the reason why we're drawn to that is that we're created in God's image he is a supernatural God. We're created in his image. And, and we, most of us, um, are really subjected just to live in, in the natural sense of everything going on around us, but crave supernatural things. And I want to tell you that a Marvel movie will never satisfy, and, and when I think, you know, the entertainment of it, let me, let me say this, that you see the wonders, as it says here, the wonders of, what, of, of the uh, cinematography, and you see the wonders of special effects and, and you watch that's like wow that was amazing but boy to to watch the miracle working power of God you know to watch it take place in somebody's life to see someone healed you know to see someone saved to see someone set free from from bondage uh, there's nothing more extraordinary than that and we need to be the kind of people that have faith for miracles because God wants people to witness his wonder his glory right the phenomenon of his supernatural power um, and, and not see them so consumed with things that will never change their life. A Marvel movie is never going to change your life, right? But the power of God will, amen? Now with that, I want to say uh, my first point. When our will is aligned with God's will, it produces faith for miracles. When our will is aligned with God's will, it produces faith for miracles. Let me read to you from 1 John 5, 14, and uh, 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. So 
Think about that for a minute. It's saying to you that, you ha- that we are meant to have a confidence that when we approach God to ask him for something, that we're going to have exactly what we ask for. But the reason why we'll have what we ask for is because we're asking according to his will. Not our will, but his will. That's why when we're aligned with God's will, it really does become an environment for miracles. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So it might not be happening yet, but it is a, it is a future reality if you have faith. If you've got faith, it's going to carry you to the manifestation of what you hope for. That's what God intends for us. That we would, we would uh, if you will, bask in his promises. I, I referred to that last week. Do you know that there's over 8,000 promises in the word of God to you? Did you know that? Give me an amen if you knew there was over 8,000 promises to you. Most of us don't. Now, obviously, you know, preparing for a sermon causes me to look certain things up. And I, how many promises really are there? Over 8,000. And let me just tell you now, I don't know all of them. <laughs> there's a lot of them. I, I do know there's over 8,000. Why? Because all you got to do is Google. How many promises? Are you, right? That, that becomes easy. But to actually assimilate that knowledge. Remember last week when I talked about, or the first week of this series, I talked about that, that um, we have to guard our heart because out of it flows the issues of life. If we seek after God with all our heart, right, and with all our soul, right, the Bible says we'll find him. That's what we read the first week. And so if we're, if we're seeking after God with the intent to find him, we have to know how our heart and our soul are engaged in that search and that what we think is what I said the way we think and how we feel has great influence on what we do our will so we've got to make sure that we're getting the thoughts of God about our life so that in other words the psalmist said this the psalmist said your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you right and let me say this, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And let me say, over 8,000 promises, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might know the promises that you've given me. You hear me here? That we get his word in our heart so that what happens is when we have thoughts, as the Bible says, that exalts, when those thoughts that are not God's thoughts exalt themselves against his knowledge for us, what happens is, is we take them captive. We submit those thoughts those ways to the way of the Lord. We align ourselves with the will of God, and when we align ourselves with the will of God, we'll have what we ask for. Can you say amen? amen? Now think about that in terms, translate, we'll have what we ask for in accordance with over 8,000 promises to you. Is anybody getting like excited about going, when I get home, man, I'm going to start looking up some of those promises, right? Over 8,000. And I'm thinking to myself that, you know, I, 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 I've been encouraging you. Find your 15, and I've been, I'm reading through 1 John. That's why this scripture kind of jumped out for this message. But, but it's like I'm reading through 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Now I'm in 1 Peter, and I'm going to keep on going in my find 15. And, you know, I might get through those and then jump to another area, you know, maybe in the Old Testament. I don't know. But, but the reality is this, is the more that I search for God, the more I search for what God thinks, what his will is in my life, the greater potential I have of living in it. But if I don't search for it, if I don't find what God thinks toward me, if I don't find the way that God feels towards me, then I, I'll have a difficult time living in the promises of God, right? 
The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I want to have faith for miracles, i got to get in the word of God or I'll never have the faith to trust what God's saying to me. Amen? So um, uh, Hebrews 11, I want to give this to you again. So I gave it to you out of the NIV. Now listen to this. So it, faith is confidence, right? This in Hebrews 11.1 1, in the New Living Translation, it says this. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. It shows what? The reality. We need to have a vision for our future reality that we can have faith for miracles. If we have a vision for that kind of faith, then that's when miracles will start to take place. See, if we never move ourselves to the place of saying, God, I want to have the kind of faith that produces miracles, then we don't have a hope of it ever manifesting. A few weeks back, I told you that uh, an old preacher once, you know, you learn things from other preachers, right? And this is a saying that's, that's very old, uh, maybe somewhat cliche, you know, to preachers anyway, but that is this, you'll have what you preach. So let me say for yourself, so you could come and hear a message, I'll see in the congregation what I preach, why? Because people start to think on that, and then they start to pursue God in that, and then what happens is, is that becomes their reality. You, you, you can't walk in, in, in something you don't have a revelation. You've got to have a revelation from God's word to walk in it. I don't know about you, but I didn't get saved until I heard the message and believed it in my heart, and all of a sudden, then I confessed it with my mouth. I began to speak the very thing that I sensed that God was doing in me, and the moment that I spoke it, what happens? That's when it comes into existence, because why? Why do I say that? Because the Bible says this, if you believe in your heart and confess through your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. The, the shall be saved part actually follows the actions on our part. Can you say amen? We have to put action to the things that God is speaking to us. Now let me read to you. So we see the centurion. Jesus says about the centurion, I have not seen such great faith. Now, I want to say to you, remember, the centurion sends his servants, right, to um, um, or the, the people in his community, so the Jews, he sends them to Jesus, those that were followers of Christ, to come get him and bring him back to heal his servant, right? So there's a movement from the centurion to Jesus. There's a faith that if we can get Jesus to come here, uh, my servant can be healed. You see that? So there's movement from the centurion from his people, right? And then there's movement from Jesus back to the centurion, his servant, and Jesus acknowledges it as being great faith. Here we see the story of the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5, 25 through 34. And it says, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. She had nothing left and she was still sick. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard, she did what? Say heard. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, touched his cloak, because she thought. She did what? There's her mind. I imagine she's somewhat emotional in all that she's gone through. She hears about Jesus. Would you say that she hears about all these people being healed by Jesus? And there's a little bit of excitement that you've been 12 years with no hope 
you hear about Jesus and all of a sudden you have hope. And that hope causes you to take action, to move, right? I would say there was some excitement in there that, that finally, finally something could happen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All of a sudden there's hope. And where there's hope, it will give rise to faith. Listen to this as it goes on. Uh, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, there's faith reaching out. I will be healed immediately. Her bleeding stopped. She felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you. The disciples, basically the disciples answering me like, man, all these people bumping up against us and you're asking who touched you. I've shared that here a lot of times because I think it's one of the most humorous moments in scripture. You know, the disciples, they're always in this place. Something happens and Jesus will turn around and ask a question and they're looking at each other dumbfounded like, did he just ask that question? I mean, how? look at all these people, Jesus. Why are you asking who touched you? Jesus was not referring to the physical touch. Jesus was referring to the touch of faith. He was referring to someone that had vision. Listen, she had a vision of a future reality. That if she, for a miracle, that if she could just touch Jesus, right? That faith reaching out and touching and it manifests a miracle. Jesus wasn't saying, somebody touched me physically. He was saying, somebody touched me with supernatural faith. And as a result of that, received the very thing that faith, right? Faith requires. It requires the manifestation of, God, the manifestation of God's divine power. Not because we demand it, but because that's the way God designed it. This is the law of God. If you touch him with faith, you're going to receive what you ask of him because it's according to his will. Can you say amen? But Jesus kept looking around. No, I'm oh, sorry. Let me do this. People crowding around you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear. I, I found it interesting you know, she's trembling with fear here, and you think that she would be just overjoyed, correct? I'm sure she was internally, but you understand that, that when you're touched by divine power, the tendency is to all of a sudden recognize how feeble, how inferior you are. Think about uh, Isaiah the prophet when he, he witnesses the glory of God. He says, woe is me, for I am undone. My eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. There's something about God's divine power and his glory manifesting in our life that causes us to tremble and recognize that God is so amazing, so extraordinary. He is, is someone we ought to be in awe of. It's not like, hey, buddy. No, he's above and we're beneath. And we find out that he has power over every natural circumstance that is in this earth. For a woman that's walking 12 years in that situation, sought every doctor, spent all of her money, and comes to that point to where she's finally, she's hopeless. But here's about Jesus, and hope rises in her heart and moves her with faith to touch him. And the full manifestation of God's divine power heals her. How can she not be in awe? 
of what just happened in our life. Amen. <clears throat> then the woman knowing. The woman, know, the woman knowing. Say knowing. There's that, you know. You know up here the revelation of God. Not what you think, but what God has promised to you. The woman knowing what had happened to her came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your what? Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Your faith, Jesus healed her, right? God's divine power healed her, right? Yeah, it was there. The promise is there, waiting. But her faith, when he says your faith has healed you, her action to, to receive or to, to take what God has offered, the two meet, and in that moment, there's the manifestation of her healing. It's, it's kind of like I've said before, it's like, is, is it God that's doing everything in our life? Or, or are we, you know, it's like we don't earn salvation, God provides it, but yet I, I, God requires that I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. So, I mean, I've got an involvement in that, right? We have involvement in what God has promised us. And all those promises are yes and amen, saying that there, there's no, uh, 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 two weeks ago I shared that there's no uh, variation or shadow of turning in God concerning his promises. No variation. In other words, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to do half of that. I, I'm not going to do everything I promised you. There's no variation in it. God isn't going to change it all of a sudden. No, you can take it to the bank. What God says he'll do in your life, he will do. There's no shadow of turning. In other words, he's not going to turn away from what he told you he would do. He just asks you to come and trust that he'll do it in your life. And according to his will, ask, follow him, and let him manifest that in your life. Amen. See, faith tends to be birthed. Write this down. It's not going to be on the overhead. Faith tends to be birthed from a place of despair, from pain, disappointment, sickness, distress, demonic possession, heartbreak, or desire for a deeper fulfillment of your purpose. Um, all the, 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 the last thing I said there, a desire for a deeper fulfillment of your purpose, maybe you, you aren't dealing with all those other things, but in you there will always be like, what is my purpose? You know, when, I, when I end this life, have I fulfilled everything that I'm supposed to fulfill? That void that everybody fill, fills in their life that they want to fill can only come from God. But most people, most people find themselves humbled and on their knees and seeking after God when nothing else works in their life. They're left without hope and the only hope that they have is that there is a creator, that there is a God. I don't know for sure, but you know what? Since nothing else is working, I'm willing to give it a try. Anybody ever been in that boat? Right? And all of a sudden, as they begin to seek, and what did I read the first week? When you seek after him with all your heart, and with all your soul. When nothing else is left to trust in, I'll tell you what, you're pretty open to God working in your life, amen? So write this down. Faith plus corresponding action equals a miracle. Faith plus corresponding action equals a miracle. It's all there. God's promised it. Faith put to action equals the results in your life. Faith plus corresponding action equals a miracle. So let me give you uh, five things that are going on in, in these two passages of Scripture. Number one, faith causes us to move to Jesus. Faith causes us to move to Jesus. In verse 27, we see with the woman, when she heard about Jesus, 
she came up behind him in the crowd. Faith causes us to move to Jesus. Number two, faith causes us to reach out and touch Jesus, to reach out to him. When I, when I think of us being in the place of worship, when we're, it's kind of like, you know, you're lifting hands or you, you, you can feel that sense of where your heart is like, you know, the declaration or it's, you know, all that he is and all that he does in our life. That's what I mean. There's a, a mental reaching out, you know, uh, a reaching for Jesus in your life. And oftentimes uh, you start to feel the presence of God or, or, or you, you know, it's almost like you want God to be there and you know the word of God says to lift up holy hands, to, to lift your hands up and worship him, to praise him. And it, there's that physical reaching out and drawing upon God. You know, the mental, the words we're singing, the, the thoughts, we're singing that all together in the unity of the body of Christ and the spirit of God we know always sets down on the unity of the body. That's why singing these songs together, that we're in one accord. Because in, in, in Acts 2, when, when all the saints were in one accord in the upper room, one accord in unity, the Holy Spirit came. And that when we're in that place of unity and we're praising God and we're honoring him, thanking him for all that he's done in our life, that unity of the Holy Spirit can't help but set down in the midst of God's people. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that, that God inhabits, say inhabit, he inhabits the praises of his people. Then when we begin to praise together, people plural, the, the, the plurality of his people coming together and honoring him, that when we come to that place, he inhabits the praises, his presence comes in the praises of his people. So faith causes us to reach out and touch Jesus, verse 27 uh, through 28, 27b through 28. So she reached out to him, she came up behind him and reached out, but then and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And I'll tell you, when you get to that point of faith, if I can just touch Jesus, yeah, maybe not physically in that sense, but, but I'm telling you, when you start to reach out, whole heart, all your soul, and you're reaching for Jesus, and you're calling on Jesus, and you feel his presence, did you touch him, or did he touch you? Let me say this, when you touch Jesus with your love, he loves you, he died on the cross to save you, but there's something about reaching out and loving back on him, and when we reach out and love back on Jesus, there's something that happens in that relationship, it's not one way, it's a two-way relationship, you touch him, and you're going to feel him touch you back, amen? You know, I think of, of, of the Bible, it says that um, Paul the Apostle says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he's, he's using the reference of a husband and wife and the similarity of Jesus' love for us as the church. And that so, he loved the church so much. He loves us, his people are the church, right? Loves us so much that he gives his life, lays his life down for us. That's him reaching out to touch our lives. But we reach back and say, Jesus, I love you because you first loved me, right? And when I think about my wife, it, you know, that, that aspect, um, you know, I could, the other day I was busy or whatever, and Angie's walking around, like, stand up. She's walking, <laughs> it was hilarious, because she's like, she's trying to, I'm like, I'm trying to do something here. I was working, and she's just walking behind me like, you be me, you're walking around. And, and, and she's like, but, but I just want to hug. You know, I just want to touch you. I just want to love on you, right? And, and then there's that moment where I turn, where, where are you going? Get back up here. <laughs> so, so she's her, and, and then so the, I'm me now. And, and there's that moment I'm like, okay, you know, I love you so much. Okay, I, I'm done, you know. <laughs> it's, 
but, but when you're in a relationship, right, that, that, that touch is important. And I, look, I can't, I got to tell you, I, I get it. I can't just pray and Jesus, I'm touching Jesus like I can walk up to Angie and hug Angie and Angie's hugging me back. I get it. But I, I want you to know that when you reach out and touch him, when you reach out to call upon him that way, you'll sense his presence and you'll sense his embrace in your life and you know his presence is there. And there's a confidence in that relationship. This is, when you think of faith, faith, it's not faith in faith, guys, gals. It's not, it's not faith in faith. It's faith in Christ. And, and so what happens when you reach out and you're touching him with faith, what happens is, is, is there's virtue. See, that's what he's saying, his presence. There was virtue. Anointing touched her and healed her. I, I don't know what your situations are. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's despair, depression. Maybe it's poverty. Whatever your situation is, what I know, if you can just but touch, right, the hem of his garment, what she was referring to, if I can touch the hem of his garment. Look, I, I don't even need the full embrace. Here's what I know. What I've heard about Jesus is people are being healed. If I can just get to him and touch the hem of his gar- garment, I know I'll be made whole. See, that's faith. I, look, I don't even need you, Jesus, to turn around and show me attention, right? I, I just need that touch, right? What she didn't realize is you, watch, you can't touch God and him not turn and acknowledge you. And nothing's going to touch God like faith. You can't approach God with that like, hey, what's up, God? You know, I don't know if you're really there. It's not the same. It isn't that he isn't listening. He hears you. But you're not, you're not coming to him as he is and understanding he's a rewarder of those who diligently were back to seek him find him. Last week I talked about the hide and seek. You remember I played hide and seek with my kids? It's not that God is hidden. It's just that it, it's, it's hidden. If it's hidden, it's like treasure that's buried that we've got to mine out. We, we need to, to have action that moves us to him to acknowledge him for who he is. That's faith. And when that touches God, God is moved by that touch. Amen. So the third thing there, the third thing, Faith causes a release of Jesus' divine power. That should be Jesus' divine power. Of Jesus' divine power. Verse 29 uh, through 30 here. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? I can go and I, I can tell you that there's times that I've prayed for people. Look, it's, uh, we're not Jesus. <laughs> the Bible says that the Spirit of God was upon him without measure. Say without measure. And it, it basically, it, it's basically, it's as much as it can be, right? Um, Jesus uh, was tempted in every way but did not sin, it's unfortunate that, that we don't necessarily attain that perfection while we're in pursuit of that affection. I refer to that from Paul the Apostle in this series, that, that, that while he hadn't attained perfection, he was pursuing that perfection. And basically uh, setting forth for us to understand that I'm going to keep pursuing it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Either until I go be with him, when I, when I put off this mortal flesh and I die, or, or Jesus returns for me. All I know is I'm going to keep, right, Moving towards Jesus. I'm going to keep reaching out to be like Jesus. And in doing so, the hope is, is that it's not just going to be a benefit to me, but it'll be a benefit to others around me. 
And that what happens is, is that as I'm filled with the power of God, that there will be an opportunity for someone else. Sometimes I share stories with you about um, when I'm out and about and kind of like what, you know, I'd ask you, what's your mission field? As a pastor, I spend a lot of time working in ministry, and so I don't get to encounter uh, people who, who don't have a faith unless they might be visiting or they come by or, or somebody introduces me to a friend because my life is spent equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and facilitating, you know, this corporate body of, of believers, um, however, I feel it important for myself to be in the community, to be somewhere where I can share the love of Christ with others. Uh, the gym was what became that for me, is that um, I'm able to go there, I, I'm doing a workout, I'm taking care of my, my, the temple, our body's the temple, taking care of the physical aspect of that, so I have energy to do ministry. And, and so, but while I'm there, uh, you know, and guys, we, we have an interesting relationship, don't we guys? You know, our relation, women, you know, like, they'll hang out, they'll go to the bathroom together and all that kind of stuff, right? Guys go to the bathroom, and if they do happen to go together, just so you know, there's never a conversation with guys, really, for the most part. You know, we walk up, we park, it's eyes straight forward. If you see somebody looking towards you, um, you know, if they kind of glance towards you, you're like, what are you looking at? You know, <laughs> it, you know we're, we're kind of compartmentalized in that sense, right? Um, but, but when I think about it at the gym, you know, uh, I go over and this guy's like there, he's working out. I'm like, hey, could you give me a quick spot? I'm like, sure. And he spots me, you know, well, you know, a week later or whatever, he's working out and he's trying to go up in his weight and, and it's like, hey, could you spot me? Sure, you know, we're buds. <laughs> Ladies are like, seriously? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're friends. I mean, that's not deep enough relationship, right, to deal with issues in life, but, but that's kind of how it works for guys. If you've got that kind of relationship and issues come up, uh, those are the people you might go to, right, and say, hey, look, I'm going through something. Can, can you all get me here? So, so I can't relate to how a woman might do that necessarily, but I can relate to how guys um, uh, allow the power of God that are in them, right, to be in proximity of those that may not know it and are searching for it. And, and those moments come when the virtue of Christ can flow out of you. I'm sorry. People hurt. I know there's people hurting in here. There's people hurting in our community. There's people hurting in the world. And that's the importance of the power of God. I'm so sorry to cry. And the only reason I do is because I'm saying I'm working out. And this guy, I mean, I've known him for three years. And it's more or less been a just a, hey, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Great. I know what he does for a living. He knows what I do. You know, it's gotten pretty deep. But I'm working out, and he walks over to me, and he said, hey, uh, I remember you're a pastor, right? I said, yeah, hey, how you been, Joe? And he's like, um, you know, and I said, Joe, what's going on? I can see it in your eyes. And I, I'm telling you right now, I no more than said that to him, and I, I felt the Holy Spirit all over me. And it wasn't just all over me. What happened was when I said those words, I looked in his eyes, I said, Joe, I can see it in your eyes. And when I said that, I felt the power of God. And so he's like, oh, and just started crying. And then started saying, look, I'm going through a hard time and I need some help. This afternoon, I'll be meeting with him to, you know, to share the love of Christ, to help wherever I might be able to help. But what I know is, is that in my heart, it's like, God, whatever I say, Anoint my words. Let your presence set down on him. Because my sensing from the little that I know, I don't know much. 
my sensing is this. Joe needs a miracle. And he came to talk to somebody that he heard that somehow churches, pastors, they believe that miracles can happen for relationships and, you know, for healing and for all those things. And for this one, he needs a miracle in relationship. And so he's heard that before somewhere or he wouldn't have come and talked to me. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? He heard that these people who follow Jesus, this Jesus, is capable of performing a miracle. So all I'm saying in sharing that story is to say, make yourself available to God and understand that if you're born again, the Spirit of God dwells in you. There's a power within you that's not meant to be kept in you. It's meant to be shared. Watch as I go on here. Number four. So then, faith causes us to witness about Jesus. Faith causes us to witness about Jesus. She got her miracle and she was gone. She was happy, man. 12 years of dealing with this, all her money's gone. I'm so happy. But what happens? She turns because Jesus, Jesus is not willing for you to walk off with your miracle and not share with somebody, not be a witness. You hearing me here? You got to witness about who he is. Listen to what happens here. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, then the woman knowing what had happened to her. Do you know? Listen to me. Look up here. Do you know what has happened to you? Do you know what Jesus has done in your life because you reached out and touched him and he touched you back with his power? She, uh, uh, she, uh, woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. Now, here's the thing. Everybody's paying attention at this point. Jesus is stopping. This is Jesus, the throng around him. Like they all knew who was walking through the area. The disciples are there. And he stops. And it's like, who touched me? And they're searching. And he's looking. He's trying to find the person that touched him, right? And finally, she does what? She witnesses. It's like, well, I witnessed to Jesus? Oh, yeah. See, everything we proclaim to other people is all about witnessing what Jesus has done for us. So when we're, when we're saying, Jesus, look, I'm thankful. So we might be sharing with somebody, I'm thankful for what Jesus did in my life. What happens is, is that we're showing gratitude to him for what we've received through his divine power while also proclaiming to others that with God all things are possible. Can you say amen? amen. And then the fifth one. Faith causes Jesus to move to us. Faith causes Jesus to move to us. And I've got verse thirty. And 34 here because we see it happening uh, through the scripture that way. At once, Jesus realized the power that had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? He's moving to her. Where's that person at that touched me? And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. So what did he do? Watch this. (laughs) So she acknowledges that if I can just get to Jesus, if I can reach out and touch him, I'll be made whole, right? Jesus turns to find her in the midst of that. And once he's found her and she shares what has happened in her life, witnessed, Jesus actually praises her for her faith. When I say pray, you know, not praises her as in worship, but praises her as in, you know, your faith has made you whole. Just like he said to the centurion, Such great faith I've not seen in all Israel. And to her, it's your faith. You moved to me. And because you moved to me, your willingness, listen, 
what you thought was if I can just get to Jesus. Again, her emotions were, I'm sure, caught up in that. Remember the centurion, he was wanting healing for a servant that he valued highly. There's feelings in that. Can you hear me here, saints? And that those thoughts and feelings we have are so, so important because it causes us to move to him. And when we move to him, he moves right back in our life. Can you say amen? So today, here's the deal. I want to challenge us to be like the centurion who had no right to receive. He had no right to receive from Jesus. Remember, healing was the children's bread. You could go back to the, to, um, um, the, the, the widow who, who was begging Jesus, right? Um, or he tells the parable, if you will, that of the widow who's gone to a judge and banging on the door and asking for bread. And the, and the judge is going to give her the bread. He gives, I'll wake up and I'll give her this bread because if I don't, she'll just weary me with her knocking. She kept seeking, right? And as a result, she found. And Jesus is talking in the midst of that, and he's basically saying the same things. Don't stop seeking. And it's not that you're going to weary Jesus, the judge. You're not going to weary him. The point is, is it's your persistence to pursue him, that future reality, Right? That you, I have faith. Look, I'm not going to stop because I know that if I can just touch him, I know that if I can get the heart of Jesus, Jesus is going to move on my behalf. He'll perform a miracle on my behalf if I can just get to him. If you seek him, you're going to find him, right? But you got to seek him with all your heart. And nothing distracts our heart more. Remember, guard your heart with, with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. Nothing distracts our heart worse than, than difficult situations in our life. Hard moments in our life causes us to be so distracted that we kind of give up. And my thing is, is don't give up. Keep chasing after Jesus. Get to him. Touch him. Because if you can touch him, he'll turn around and he'll touch you back. Amen? And as a result of that, he'll move to you in the sense of making you a greater witness so others can get to him as well. How did, uh, how did the centurion, we, we, I made you say that word twice, heard. How did, it says the centurion heard of Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood heard about Jesus. How was it that they heard about that? The same principle. People whose lives have been changed by touching Jesus and Jesus touching them were sharing their story. And other people were moving towards Jesus and Jesus moving towards them. And they were encountering their own miracle in their life. Can you say amen? I'd like us as a church. I'm going to read this final scripture, but... As a church, you know, I've talked about 2019, find your 15, five minutes in word, five minutes in worship, five minutes in prayer. But even as you do that, I would like you to just, you know, add into that prayer time. God, I'm asking you for miracles in my life. And God, I'm asking you to use me to be a miracle in someone else's life. We understand we're not the source of it, but we certainly are the conduit for God to move through. Amen. And so we want to be that. Listen to Hebrews eleven six, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Would you stand to your feet with me today? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads, and lift your hands to heaven. Get focused in the spiritual. I, look, I, I've got a couple things that I need a miracle for in my own life right now. And I spend enough time with people to know that normally 
people, there's needs, there's things that are going on in your life. And I, I mean, with all my heart this morning, I believe that this message, I mean, this is something that God laid on my heart. I didn't know I was going this direction in the series. But last week when I'm preaching, it's like he laid it on my heart. If you need a miracle, let today be the day that you reach out to Jesus. And, and dare I say more than you ever have. I know we strive, but again, like Paul the Apostle, press towards that mark. Reach out to Jesus. You know, cry out to him with your whole heart. God, I need you to show up in this area of my life. And as I pray for you, this is the other thing. God, I need you to show up in this area of my life. God, I make a promise to you to be a witness of what you're doing in my life so someone else can receive a miracle from you as well. I believe that will create an environment of miracles in the members of Gateway Church. And it will bring glory and honor to God because over 8,000 promises, I'm, I'm thinking he's covered it all. So I don't care what you run into out there, what you're dealing with or what someone else you run into is dealing with. There's a miracle that can take place from God in your life and in the lives of others. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, right now, in Jesus' name, as we look to you, arms stretched out, and Lord, just reaching out to you and asking, do a miracle in our life. For some, that might be, uh, Lord, their health. For some, that may be their finances. For some, Lord, their relationships, their marriage. Lord, their work situation. God, for some, it may be sins that they've struggled to overcome and just can't seem to find freedom. And it's interesting that the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus didn't just say you're healed, but he said you're freed. So God, I pray where there need to be healing, that there be healing. I pray where there needs to be freedom, God, that you would bring freedom in each of our lives. Lord, let us, as we find that 15, and we, every day we're spending time with you, let it be special. Let your anointing, your presence set down on us in the midst of that time. Your virtue, Jesus, let your virtue, your power flow out of you and into us and transform and change our lives. And then, Lord, use us to be, Father God, vessels of honor and glory to you while we carry that power to others, to minister to them and to love on them. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody in the house of the Lord said, amen, amen. Do you have a closing verse? Sing this as we close today.